Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to another episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview Stacey Aguilar. She's a former teacher who taught graphic design and yearbook classes at an all-girls public school for five years. Eventually, she left to be at home when her second was born, and she started pursuing creative products. We talk all about her path from teacher to freelancer to creating a business model fueled by her passion for graphic design and helping other teachers succeed. Hey, Stacey, thank you so much for joining us here today. Hey, how's it going? It's great. Uh, I wanted to start off just asking you kind of if you could share your story about when you were a teacher. Yeah, so I, let's see, I did not go to school for teaching. I went to school for other things, for sociology specifically. Well, that's what I ended up with. I didn't go to school for sociology, um, but I ended up with a degree in sociology, went off to go to grad school and was kind of working in, well, I was working with some nonprofits and then kind of transitioned into advertising and communications and worked kind of in that field for a little bit and did um, design and communications, but then kind of felt really that I wanted to give back more. And so I started looking for teaching positions and I ended up landing this really awesome job teaching. I was a career and technology teacher at an all girls public school. And I just had a blast. I taught for five years. So our school had an engineering kind of wing and a graphic design wing. And so I was with the graphic design team and I worked really closely with my like high school counterpart. I taught mostly middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth, and then some ninth grade, um, really taught a wide range because um, I also taught yearbook and had a couple like yearbook club and yearbook class. And so I taught seniors through that and just really got to have a lot of fun with teaching the design programs and then also kind of survey class of photography and videography and animation. And just, just, it was a, it was a lot of fun. And throughout that, I was our technology coordinator. So I worked with the district to make sure we had all our laptops and Promethean pins working and all that stuff. Um, I was our department head. I ran our school social media. It was kind of that like 
techie person for the school, if you will. And uh, oh, you are definitely a jack of all trades <laughs> for your school. I don't yes. I, uh, when I prepared my uh, replacement, I was like, okay, you don't have to do all these things, but you might ex- be expected to. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot they were probably <laughs> so so sad when they saw the list of all of your duties. Yes, yes, all those extra like wink, wink when you sign on. They're like, what else can you do for us? And I definitely said yes to a lot of things. <laughs> so did you start kind of dabbling with the idea of creating a side hustle or a small business as you were still in the classroom? Yes. So I didn't do so like I've always been the type to start things like while I was still in working in advertising, I helped start like a farmer's market in my community. I helped like I just randomly put on this like pie and wassail fair in my neighborhood. Like I had always had like these creative ideas and just really like connecting with people. I wouldn't say I'm like a super extroverted person. I just like making connections and relationships. And then while I was teaching, so I didn't officially start my Etsy. I started an Etsy shop when I was a teacher. And I didn't start that till my daughter was a newborn. Um, My first daughter was a newborn. I started sewing diaper, like uh, burp cloths and teethers and whatnot. I was on maternity leave and I was, I guess, bored. I I was on maternity leave, but I wasn't working. And I, you know, the baby sleeps a lot. And so I was just doing stuff at home. It was just me and her. And so I started sewing and put my stuff on Etsy. And then that actually turned into kind of a little, like I started putting, getting a few wholesale orders and putting them in local shops here in my hometown. And and that was fun. And I went back to school and was just kind of doing that on the side. And and then eventually when I was teaching, I started, I like, it was when um, weavings really popular, like the wall hangings, you know, and I oh, yeah. wanted one, but I didn't want to spend the money for it. So I was like, I'm just going to learn how to do it. So then I taught my, I like learned how to weave and do like those with the yarn weavings and whatnot and started doing workshops and started another Etsy shop where I was doing that. So I just kind of always had this like creative bug. So I had a couple Etsy shops and that one really blew up too. Throughout my time as a teacher, I ended up doing punch needle, which is just another creative thing and started doing some kits for that. So just lots of like skills I learned along the way, like how to promote my business and how to design for my business and how to run an online shop and how to do wholesale and how to interact with clients. Like just kind of a lot of those, you know, soft skills I learned along the way while I was teaching. And then I was also doing some graphic design freelance work in my latter years. And like when I was like teacher three or four or five years in, I felt a little less over my head and could like breathe a little bit more. Um, and it was starting to do some design projects for some businesses in our in our area. So it sounds like you are a very creative, hands-on type of person, and you really started off doing what's called like e-commerce, mm-hmm. selling your physical goods, but mostly on an online platform like Etsy. Yeah. And then you started to transition into the world of freelancing and actually creating materials for clients. What inspired you to make that shift? For that, I was just kind of interested in transitioning my target audience, kind of. I my ba- my littler my kiddo was getting a little older, so I wasn't really interested in sewing baby things as much. And so I was just kind of like wanting to expand, like who I was serving and what was cha- like what my interests were. So that kind of shifted, just my interest shifted. But then, honestly, it's very time intensive to make things, and so I was really just strapped for time to hand, like create like all of the hand sewn, handmade things for Etsy. I was like, I need to figure out just a more of a digital platform where it could be a little more passive and a little more 
conducive to my schedule. And so I even just recently, like within the past two years, kind of like put all of the Etsy stuff aside for now and really focusing on the design side of things just because I could do it better with my schedule. And I could, yeah, it was just a little bit, not, I wouldn't say passive, but it wasn't like physical products that I was trying to turn out in a certain time frame. No, absolutely. That's something that I've always taken into consideration is our time is very valuable. And Mm we only have a limited amount of time. But if you create, you know, like digital curriculum or do things kind of on an online platform Mm -hmm. that aren't physical goods, it's a little easier to scale and to sell more and be able to still value your time. You created it once, but you can sell it kind of an infinite amount of times. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think if you are wanting to start an Etsy shop and go that route, you just need to price your goods for what it's worth. Like you need to, it needs to be worth your time and energy. And I think a lot of times people who start off kind of like, oh, I don't know if people will buy this. And so they price it really low, but then it's just, it's just not always worth it. Like you're getting the money, but it's a lot of effort and time. So I think if you're going to do the physical product route, it needs, you need to price it right. If you're going to go the digital route, especially if you do do something like teachers pay teachers, you can reuse products are already, you know, things you're already using in the classroom and just kind of like repurpose it and then, you know, periodically repackage it and bundle it and promote it in different ways. And there's just all these like creative things you can do using things that you're already using, you know? So I think there's a lot of value in um, cross-purposing things, you know, and just kind of maximizing your time and energy outside of the classroom or just prioritizing your, yeah, your, your time and and kind of focusing on what you really want to use your day for. Yeah. One thing that I loved that you mentioned is all the soft skills that you learned that mm-hmm. you could probably even potentially put on a resume, all the sales experience that you had just creating and um, just by making your own Etsy store. Mm-hmm. And I think some people, even if it's not, you know, super lucrative, they're not going to make $10,000 this month off of it they might even get some downtime. They might enjoy the creating process. It's, you know, good for self-care for you to actually get your Mm -hmm. hands on something and to create something. And so that might be rewarding enough for them that they still make a little bit of income. They are able to put that on a resume and they get to practice something, building something and being creative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just tell a little story about that. Like, so first of all, it was really enjoyable to have an Etsy shop early on. I could, I included my kids. It was sweet and creative and it was small, but it was just this fun, creative outlet. And I did get to dabble with social media and promotion and figure out all of those things. And it was just a a really nice learning experience. My, um, so I was doing all this stuff with Etsy and creative, just kind of creating things and having fun and my kids were involved. And, and then I ended up getting my, those products in a shop and this lady recognized my other skills too. She was like, Hey, could you help me with my website? And I was like, well, I haven't really done that for, for somebody yet, but I would love to try. And so then eventually I went on part-time with her doing design work and social media and was managing her website. And then from there... I decided, you know, I'm just going to do this and then kind of made some connections and furthering and furthering. So through my Etsy shop, I made that connection and that helped me propel me kind of more in that digital route. So you really never know where it's going to take you, I guess. So do something that you can manage within your time, like what time you have right now, just start and then give yourself some freedom to explore what opportunities will open up. I think it can be overwhelming to think about 
a lot of things if you think really big scale, but you can also just start small and see where it takes you. Yeah, there's someone who said it. I wish that I could give them credit for this, but there's someone who kind of described it as a mountain. And there are so many different ways you can get up that mountain. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to look at somebody who's maybe free soloing, <laughs> getting up the mountain in a really quick way, because that might not be the right, you know, route for you to take. And mm -hmm. you might not know the path that you're actually going to take, but eventually you will make it up to the top of the mountain. Yeah. If you have enough, like have the right people around you and you're, you know, continue to give yourself pep talks and just kind of create some immediate goals and, yeah, like I think I think it's really valuable to have the right people around you to encourage you along the way. And and um, yeah, it's definitely. So when did you decide to leave the classroom and take your side business to full time business? So I had kind of been thinking I was going to leave um, before I got pregnant with my second kiddo. I was just kind of ready to transition out of the classroom. But I also felt like I wasn't time. Like I, I felt very convicted to stay. Um, there was some creative things that my coworkers we were wanting to do for our program. And I just was like, I don't feel like it's time yet. And that stressed me out. Cause like, but I want to be home with my kids. And so that kind of like, I felt guilty in that moment, but also felt really confident that staying was the right decision. But then, and then that year was fantastic. We started a, um, advertising, like kind of a in-house advertising team for our students and lots of great, great things came out of that. So I think there's value in kind of like, I don't know, deciding what you're really hoping out of a year and just kind of leaning into that and see where it takes you. But then I got pregnant with my second kiddo. I I knew that I, one, childcare was pricey and it necessarily, it wasn't really going to work to put them both in or it would have been okay, but it just maybe wasn't worth my time as much. And and I decided I'm going to stay home with these, with my girls. And it was a really, really hard decision for me. I really liked working. I really loved my school. I don't know if other people resonate with this, but I was like, this is a great position. This is like the best teaching opportunity I could ask for. My coworkers are great. My principal's great. I, if I leave this, I probably can't ever go back to the classroom. Like, I don't know if there'll be another opportunity like this. And so it was a really huge leap for me. But I, I, you know, cried to my principal when I told her and I was also very pregnant. So there was maybe some hormones involved, but <laughs> I, um, I, I, I really felt like I could make other things happen that would be better for my family and creative and fun and profitable and just could scale things in a way that would be more profitable for my family too in the long run. Um, but I had to be ready with leaving the classroom. Like I needed to be for me. I needed to say like, okay, it's okay if I don't teach again, like I might go a different route and stay in education or I might not. But I, I kind of needed to shut that door for myself because I loved my job so much. Um, but I did and it was it was great. Like for the first, you know, six months or so, I let myself just be home, be with my kids. It was the summer. It was really well-timed, not intentionally, but like I always do the week after school was out for the summer. And so I was able to be home and just enjoy that newborn stage. And then about three or four months in, I kind of like poked my head up and I was like, okay, like I'm ready to reemerge and started kind of putting some feelers out. And, and I had been networking with people. And like I said earlier, like doing some freelance work for people. So I kind of just put it out there. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to kind of start picking up some work if you're interested. And uh, you know, the, the, first couple of clients I had were really flexible and they were also, you know, had kids and were moms. And so they were totally understood that like newborn life and, you know, was fine with me having my baby with me and everything. Um, so that was a blessing. 
And um, yeah, just kind of took it slow until I was able to put my littler one in like a part-time daycare and then trying to just get out of that newborn phase and then kind of, you know, kept going. So that was, it was kind of a, I needed to close that door and feel okay with whatever happened next. But there's also definitely like a leap of faith involved. I, I was fortunate enough to not have to go and be like, I have to get full-time, like I need to match my full-time employment. Like that wasn't necessarily my place. Like I just was, you know, I had some freedom there to kind of see what happened, but also this like drive to make something. I heard you acknowledge that you really struggled with teacher guilt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in episode seven, I have an entire episode about teacher guilt. And what I really think happens is we get into teaching because we have big hearts. We're Mm -hmm. like intrinsically motivated. We have so much empathy and we want everybody else to be happy. And then it's really hard for us to do anything that would help us or better us uh, personally, if we know that it might hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you felt like you struggled with a little bit? The first time I definitely, when I was entertaining the idea, I didn't want to leave because I felt like I kind of started something and wanted to see it through. Like I didn't want to leave my coworkers hanging. I I had made some promises to the students. Like I felt like I I, I was, it was unfinished business. I had to finish. And if I, I didn't, I would feel bad to go. And then honestly, the the next time when I was kind of processing leaving, my biggest issue at that point was really feeling like my identity was tied up in being a teacher. And I wasn't really sure what I'd be when I wasn't a teacher. And I, for a little bit after leaving the classroom, I always qualified that I was like, you know, I'd be like, oh, I stay home with my girls. But but I used to be a teacher. Like I'd always say like, I, I, I taught and that was who I was. And now I stay home for a season. Like I, I qualified it all the time. And I think that was part of like me processing being a stay at home mom at the time and, and leaving the classroom and trying to figure out who I was. And there's definitely like this identity transfer that I had to go through. Um, and I think that's hard when you are so passionate about teaching, or even when you've kind of fizzled out and you're like, I'm not passionate about teaching anymore, but I also like really care about these kids and these people. And I am passionate about education. Like I'm passionate about this profession I went into, but then you're like, what am I going to be after this? Like, what's, who am I? And so I think that was a hard thing to like, as I was processing leaving. um, Yeah. I just felt like I was kind of leaving this thing behind that I had worked hard to develop. And as any teacher knows, like it takes about a good three to four years to really feel comfortable in the classroom. Like, I don't know, for me, I had to really, it was until like year three that I felt like I had de- like figured out time management and like classroom management and all these things. And so it was like, I was just kind of starting to get into my groove of teaching, but also felt like, and I think you've mentioned this in a different episode, but like I knew teaching wasn't like my full-time profession, like my long-term, like till I retire profession. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where am I going to go from here? Like, I don't, I've always said like for teachers, it's kind of like, there's no strong motive. There's not like a step, like a step ladder, like where you can go next. It's like you're teaching and then you're admin or you're teaching and then you're like in the main office or you can be like an instructional teacher. Like there's some steps in there, but you're kind of taken out of the classroom to kind of progress. And so I was processing, what do I want to do post teaching? Am I a teacher? What's my identity? Where am I even going with my profession? So there's a lot of those ideas I was kind of processing um, as I was deciding to go. problem that people have is there's not like a clear career path or Mm -hmm. a clear trajectory that you can grow and many people start to kind of feel stagnant and they feel it internally really 
you know, at different points in their career, but they start to feel, okay, secretly, this isn't my last step. And I, it, it, that's just not going to be me. But yeah. what I heard you say is that, you know, you didn't know what you were going to be. You didn't have any direct path and you, you know, you weren't going to be a teacher anymore. I'm going to pivot into what you do now, which is you teach people graphic design. So unfortunately, Stacy, teaching will always stay with you. You'll yeah. be a forever teacher who's passionate yeah. about helping people. Yeah. I, 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 I realized that that's kind of my, my bent. Like I do like to help teach. I like to help people learn. I, I like to empower other people to feel confident and to do the things, you know? And yeah, so, so let's, let's get into that. What do yeah, you do I, now? So it's, it's, it's focused in, I, I, I empower teachers to be teacher entrepreneurs and to, I, I do the design and branding side of that. So I, I help teachers, teacher entrepreneurs, with graphic design for their businesses. And like I do service-based work where people hire me to design for them. But then I also have a membership where I'm kind of part education, where I'm equipping people and then part template-based where you can just download and use Canva templates um, to promote your business. But really my main motivation in this is to help teachers feel empowered to put themselves out there and like create a brand for themselves. I think part of my motivation was I really want teachers to feel confident in what they do. Like if you're not ready to leave the classroom, that doesn't mean that you can't be an amazing like teacher on social and like show the world what you've got and become like a coach or a speaker or talk at a conference or write curriculum or put yourself out there, get on podcasts. Like you can be empowered and still be in the classroom and just like that vibrance you have for education will spill out into your students and all, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, you know, in the classroom, out the classroom, whatever you want to do, there's a lot that can be said in building your personal brand. And so my motivation is to help teachers feel that confidence and equip them with graphic design, with the visual components that you need to like make that happen. So yeah, I do that. I, I also teach online throughout school, just kind of like to keep that go, keep that teacher vibe going. So I do some of that on the side too. Yeah, I absolutely love what you said about empowering teachers to put themselves out there because so many teachers that I've talked to who are considering doing a side hustle or considering putting themselves out there as a thought leader in a specific niche, they mm -hmm. get really nervous and they mm -hmm. don't think that they're qualified. They don't think that they're ready. Imposter syndrome starts to kick in. And I always try and emphasize like, girl, I am sick to my stomach too. Like mm -hmm. I get just as nervous, but you just get better at it. And we all mm -hmm. started from the exact same spot. Yeah. I mean, when I started this, um, what I'm doing now, I, I hadn't been in the classroom for a year or so. And so I felt like I was maybe, I was like, well, will I relate to people who are in the classroom still? Like, I, I don't know. Like, even I felt kind of unsure, you know, and I had been a teacher for five years. Like, I think the teachers always just kind of feel like, who wants to listen to me? Like, what, you know, like, it's just this kind of, I don't know. I feel like teachers aren't given enough credit and are not put on the pedestals that they should be. And so it takes a little bit of like self-correcting <laughs> to like be in that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, but it's so valuable. I just think it brings so much joy to you and 
if you're in the classroom still, it brings joy to your students because they can see that you feel confident in what you're doing and you have that creative outlet that's really encouraging too. The first tiny sale that you make mm-hmm. is such a confidence booster. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a $3 product on Teachers Pay Teachers, people start to really see their value. And I know that that sounds so small, but even for myself, you know, I remember when I first started Teachers Pay Teachers, my fiance was sitting there and he was watching me work and he's like, how long, how many hours are you going to put in this before you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pivot and choose something else? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I want to make 50 products and we'll see what kind of passive income comes from that. And then we'll move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And after 50 products, after I worked on it for a, a few months, I brought in, you know, a $500 month or a $1,000 month. And he's like, okay, mm-hmm. keep going. You got this. Yeah, 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 it is. It's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically someone saying like, hey, I trust you and I want to learn from you. What, what do you have? And so it is really encouraging because people are like giving you a thumbs of approval and um, it just kind of continues, it, it pushes you to keep going. When you're working with your students, all these amazing teachers who want to put themselves out there, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see them do when it comes to creating their own brand or graphic design on their own social media or websites? Um, I think that there is a lot of similar looks to teacher Instagram accounts. So like, so one thing it would just be to kind of like try to stand out and kind of have your own color palette and your own font. And I would say there's a lot of um, needing to think through the marketing side of things too, like really focusing on what am I going to focus on for this month and then break it down into the weeks. Like what am I going to focus on this week and really kind of have a cohesive strategy. And that will really help a lot in your brand as coming off as like a thought leader. So I would say like kind of narrowing on your colors, your, your fonts that you're using, really thinking through your target audience and make sure that what you're putting out there is like something that would attract your target audience for one. And then also think through through your larger marketing goals. So maybe you're like, let's do a Teachers Pay Teachers page, for example. Like maybe you have some products that you're going to highlight throughout the month and then you're going to bundle it at the end of the month and promote that or whatever it is. Kind of think through that larger strategy and then work backwards and create graphics that would promote it. Uh, I also think I see not a lot of like engaging posts and, and maybe also I think it would be helpful if people put their pictures on more and like put their face to their brand more. I think a lot of times it's just like photos of mock-ups or photos of the classroom, which are great. I just think mixing it up with also having photos of yourself because you're putting yourself out there as the thought leader and you are the only person that's you. So that's what's unique about you and your brand. And so really kind of like leaning into your quirks and your likes and your interests, but make it relevant to your target audience as well, you know? So I think really injecting yourself into your brand and then also kind of really focusing on who your target audience is and think through the, the, the overall strategy of what you're posting would be some major tips that I would give. Going back to what you were saying, even just about standing out and picking your own brand colors. I thought that that was an excellent point because I see that all the time. And it's something that I didn't really understand until, you know, three, four years into building my own business. And Mm -hmm. that's when I actually established all my brand colors, established Mm -hmm. the fonts, established some of the like clip art and and kind of the same themes that I use over and over throughout my branding. But if you look at a lot of the education space, if, if you see a brand that you like, you love, you know, those color schemes and those fonts, that's fantastic. But if you do 
everything almost identical as all the other people, people are going to see one of your posts and they might think it's somebody else's. It's like if you had a soda company and your colors were blue and red and they kind of looked like a yin yang, everybody's going to think you're Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's definitely, I think, value in looking at what other people are doing and kind of, I mean, if there's a few elements you like, I, I, I think kind of look at that and adopt aspects of it. But I also think really putting your own personal spin on it is important. And, and yeah, just locking in those colors and the elements that you're going to use for your brand and really kind of narrowing down on those like few things. Like I wouldn't try to overwhelm it. Um, I see for some reason a lot of black in teacher posts. That's kind of this random like thing I've noticed, but lots of, lots of black outline. And I think that's, it's just a lot on an Instagram account. I was like, that's one example or like a TPT store. Like there's just a lot of black outline, a lot of really thick, heavy text. And I think kind of changing that up even will help your brand stand out. Not that that's bad. I'm just saying that's one thing I've noticed like a trend. And I've also noticed a lot of like the rainbow color and stuff like that. And that's wonderful and cute and playful and great. But if your target audience is like high school English teachers, that's not necessarily going to speak to them. So just kind of think through who your audience is and, and, um, and again, inject yourself into it because two people could be selling the same middle school math curriculum, but if they relate to you and like you, they're going to buy from you. So you're building that overall brand to attract like lifetime audience. And that's one of the reasons why I use Canva is it's so easy to use. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've worked full time as an instructional designer. So I do have experience with Adobe and some of the other more professional platforms. But when it comes to Canva, I have my brand colors right there and I can just use their templates and brand them and make them really cohesive and and quick for everybody to share across multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. When it comes to picking brand colors, have you given any specific advice for teachers? Um, yes, I kind of go into it more. I'm going to have a whole unit in my membership. So I haven't like put out, I haven't done like a masterclass on it or done anything too detailed just yet. But you know, you can think there's like warm colors versus cool colors. You know, if you want your brand to be more of like a calming, relaxing brand, like maybe you talk about like counseling or you're all about like holistic learning and trying to create that more like, um, just like wise calm vibe, you might want to go with the blues and the grays and the greens and that kind of realm. But if you're like wanting to be like a really vibrant, exciting kind of like you're a movement-based thing or something like that, you might go with the warm colors, with the oranges, yellows, bright and sunny, reds, things like that. So that's just kind of one easy thing. You can also look, I really like to encourage people to have like different tints and hues to your color. So say you have like a red or we'll go with like, yeah, we'll go with red. Then you might want to have like a lighter red that complements it. So you have some nice contrast and just things to work with. So I usually will have like three like bold colors and then like three or so softer colors and make sure they all kind of complement one another another but maybe like your main color scheme is like these two or three ones you use all the time but then you have some like complementary ones that you use to like make things pop it's kind of like a really broad (laughs) explanation um but going to your comment about canva and adobe i agree totally i as i mentioned earlier i i taught adobe programs so i love photoshop illustrator indesign those are like my go-to programs however there's a lot of stuff in illustrator in photoshop that you can't do in canva and so if you are wanting to kind of have a little bit of a higher skill level and being able to make some things you definitely have to kind of go into those those programs but for like turning out pinterest pins and instagram posts and stuff for your website and email and whatnot and your tpt cover images all that canva is really really great i love how they have a ton of stock images in there that you can just drop in you can um you don't have to like save files on your computer to use it in canva so like illustrator for example you have to have your files native on your computer to link into your project and so that 
can kind of backlog your computer and make it a little bit heavier. So, I mean, there's some pros and cons to both, but I definitely use them both interchangeably. I use Canva all the time. And as I've started working more and more with teachers, that's really what I focus on because I know it's just so easy and you can share it easily with people and you can create templates and pass it on. And so that's definitely what I focus on in my membership is Canva templates. And then I do have some tech tutorials for other programs if people want to learn the basics, but then I I have other kind of like master classes and one-off workshops and stuff too that I have to kind of cover those. And people who take your course, you know, Canva is going to be that stepping stone if that's where you want to stop. But people who might be really passionate about becoming a graphic designer or freelance graphic designer or even a full-time graphic designer, Mm -hmm. they'll be learning those stepping stones from someone who's also been a former teacher. So you know how to chunk all of those assignments. You know how to make it digestible for them and relevant to them. Yeah, I, I like to tell people I've taught Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign to probably over 400 people, like lots of students and adults. And honestly, students kind of pick up faster than adults. So I wouldn't say that it's like, oh, well, kids, you know, it's it's a lot of the same material, but kids kind of pick it up quicker sometimes um, just because they're so native on technology. Um, so it just kind of depends. But I mean, I've taught a lot of people these programs. And so I, I, I kind of know where the hiccups are going to be and where there's like, this isn't working. You know, the student will be like, it's not working. I was like, well, did you look up here? Or, you know, like there's just, I know kind of what's happening, even if I'm not seeing their screen. Mm-hmm. And so because I've done it so much, I do feel like I have that kind of feeling of what's going on. And then if I don't know, like we'll, they'll screen share and kind of like, we'll talk through it. I've done that a ton with teaching on out school because I didn't teach in the, cl- like when I was in the classroom, I was obviously physically there and I could help them. But over out school, it's all virtual. And so I'm not seeing what they're doing while they're doing it, but then they'll share their screen as we're going and, and kind of back and forth. But because of that, I almost feel like I have to visualize the program in my head while we're working so I can kind of think through what they're doing and not doing. And anywho, I have taught these programs a lot. <laughs> can you think of any other things we haven't covered that are included in your membership that you think that teachers should know about? Yeah, I think so. I'll just say I've kind of crafted it to there's four units. The first one's just like basic graphic design theory. And then there's going to be one on color and typography. Then there's a recorded module of me designing and kind of talking through my design process. And then the last one is actually focused on teachers pay teachers and designing for it. Um, So the, the modules I created were specific to try to help teachers feel encouraged and empowered to design for themselves. So it's part equipping and encouraging and then also the content. So there's monthly templates and resources for you to just drag and drop into Canva and get on with your day. Um, So, and that's kind of constantly evolving. So my members will always have the opportunity to request certain templates and I can roll that into the next release. They really have a lot of say in what's being turned out. And also there's a private Facebook community. There'll be opportunity to ask questions through that. And we'll have kind of regular um, training and equipping and kind of guest speakers and things like that to really help you feel like, hey, I can do this. Like it's not overwhelming. I I say I want to simplify graphic design for teachers. Like I want to make it approachable. So you feel like that's not the hang up. You know, you don't have to be worried about that. You can just make it happen. I love that. And I love all of the collaboration pieces. You know, I've seen that be such a huge game changer in my own personal course. Mm -hmm. And the mindset piece is huge as well, because so many teachers have such low personal or career self-esteem just because they feel kind of devalued from where they've been for the past few years. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, they don't see this possibility for them. They don't know that they can succeed in this specific direction. And so having them group together with other teachers and everybody cheering one another on and everyone realizing we're all starting at the same place and 
it is very much possible is huge. And it's so Mm -hmm. empowering to have everybody there working together. Yeah, I definitely think when I know someone's a teacher, I'm instantly connected to them because I know the life they've lived for Mm -hmm. one. And then when I meet a teacher who's also like entrepreneurial mindset, it's like, okay, we are the same. Like I know you, I know who you like your drive and I know where you struggle and I know what you want to do. And and so I just feel connected. And I think when you find those other people, you're like, oh, let's talk. Like we, we know each other. And so there's just this, this really um, sweet kind of relationship that comes out of like teachers who are also entrepreneurial and who aren't just going to like, oh, I'm sure most teachers know that feeling of just like being in a room where there's like a lot of teachers who are just down. Like they're just not into it. (laughs) You know, like there's this like kind of a, like life really is hard right now. And I don't really want to try to get out of it kind of feeling. And so I think when you get around that, like creative entrepreneur type, you're like, oh, you're like bright like me. Like we, we kind of feel like we can make something of this. And so I think that's really encouraging too. Yeah. I like to kind of look at that group of people and empower them to focus on what actions can I take to be happy again? Because at Mm -hmm. one point in my life, I was happy and I went into this career to be happy. So is that changes in my pedagogy? Is it changes at my school site? Is it a brand Mm -hmm. new career change? Or is it I need passions outside of the classroom? I need to start my own business. I want to be creative. I have been feeling kind of stagnant. Things are the same day to day. And and just figuring out what's going on because nobody goes into teaching because they're, you know, a grumpy bad person. They go into it because they have a huge heart and then something happens and something inside of them, their passion kind of fades. And I was there. I was completely burnt out my very last year. And I was not the most optimistic person. And I think that you could probably tell by knowing me now, I am a very optimistic person. It was a shock to me how much it impacted my mental health. Yeah, I think I really like that about what you're doing. I think it's, it's really, I don't know, it's really unique to be able to like, look at a teacher and be like, let's figure out what's going on and make changes that are right for you, whatever that looks like, but just kind of helping them process, like you said, like changes to the grade level, changes to the grade, like the topic, changes to your school, changes to whatever. I think there's so many things, like even if it's just like requesting to have your block off be like at the end of the day, I don't know if your school will let you request certain things like that, but like just like even changing up your schedule somehow, like please don't put me on lunch duty at this time. Like that's like my hardest time or all those little things, all those little things to just kind of help teachers get out of that, I think is so valuable because then it just helps the classroom. I I think you've said that in another podcast, like whatever you do to make you light up is always going to be a direct impact to the students. And so I think helping them process through that is amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I will link the Teacherpreneur Design School in today's show notes. Can you let the audience know where else they can find you? Yes. So I'm most active on my Instagram, which is Stacy E. Aguilar. And you check out the link because everyone spells my name wrong, but it's S-T-A-C-Y-E and then Aguilar, A-G-U-I-L-A-R. And yeah, so I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, I'm on Facebook too. If you search for my name, I have a Facebook group and, and then obviously there's a private Facebook group for the members, but um, Teacherpreneur Design School is the uh, the school and then um, yeah my Instagram well thank you so much for joining me it was such a great pleasure to hear your story and to learn a lot about graphic design yeah thank you for having me the teacherpreneur design school membership is geared towards entrepreneurs specifically teacher entrepreneurs It can be for people who are new to their business venture, but it's also for entrepreneurs who just don't have a handle on the design side of things. If you are interested, we have it linked in today's show notes. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. When you leave a review, it helps other teachers find this community and support. Until next time. Thank you.